Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Reverend Hunter Podcast. This is Tony Jones, the Reverend Hunter. Joined, as always, by the Roger Murtaugh to my Martin Riggs, Brandon. <laughs> Lethal weapon. <laughs> <laughs> At least I didn't call you the Joshua to my... Wasn't Gary Busey the... He was he wasn't like the main bad guy, was he? Wasn't he? He was like the um He he was like the hitman kind of the heavy. That's what I believe, yeah. From what yeah. I remember from so long ago. Who was the I can't remember the He could have picked the Joe Pesci character in like the fourth or whatever. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> we really could have stretched it there. Yeah. That's a what a classic. What a classic movie. That's one I need to rewatch with my kids. Well, my boys, my daughter wouldn't want to watch it. It's it, it, it's the only time I can watch Mel Gibson without completely just cringing. Just it's the old <laughs> Mel Gibson, I guess. Really, you're not a big fan of the Passion of the Christ. That's uh, not I, your... I'll be honest; I've never seen it before. It, it <laughs> not your cup too of intense tea. and too long. Yeah, I watched a little bit of it. Um, you know, we don't need more violence in movies. It kind of comes with the territory of my job description, but uh, hey, man. When when this when this hits the airwaves, I will be in a car, in a truck driving north um, to go into the Boundary Waters on Monday. I am super jealous. That sounds like such a blast. You're taking students with, correct? Yeah, I'm taking my doctoral students from Fuller Seminary. I think one of them has been in the Boundary Waters once. One has been in several times. And the other six are complete newbies. Uh, it's always hard to predict the weather in the Boundary Waters, but uh, it looks like we're have going to have a couple hot days and then a stormy day and then a couple cooler days, which is kind of we're going to get the whole gamut. That's perfect. They'll have the, the un- inexperienced ones suffering in all sorts of different ways. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so hot enough to have a big mosquito hatch and then rain. you know, <laughs> <laughs> And then the storm to freak everybody out while they're in their tents. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you got it, man. It's, Sounds like a perfect trip. It should be awesome. And you, you are just a week away from your big escape. I know it's uh it's I'm looking forward to this like a like a kid looks forward to Christmas morning. I'm yeah. <laughs> super jazzed to be able to go. So yeah, heading out west to Washington. That's totally awesome. And I'm still going to try to get you some brats if I can get out get out of my house today. I did get the lawn mowed. I'm trying to get everything done, you know, before you know how it is before you leave for a week. A bunch I of know. stuff is stacked up and then I just know the first thing I have to do when I get back is mow the lawn. Although I do have teenage sons so i don't quite yeah. understand i don't i don't what. understand why you're even mowing the lawn still <laughs> teenage sons. as soon as as soon as i got old enough where my dad felt comfortable with me not cutting my toes off with a mower i was that yeah my job. no same same it's true <laughs> i don't know it's it's a nice escape you know i i put in the i put in the earbuds i listen to 80s rock <laughs> i listen to a lot of like sticks foreigner journey boston that's like the the shuffle playlist. Well, and there's something and, about mowing the lawn and actually seeing the progress of your work, and then you can kind of do the dad pose and glare over the <laughs> lawn that you just did. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Well, hey, I am uh, I'm thrilled about the guest we have this week. It's so cool. I have known Chris Estes for many years. Uh, I've I have 
you know, cross paths with him. We, we crossed paths through ch- kind of like church circles, what was called at the time the emerging church. And he was kind of an emerging curious guy who was hanging out at our conferences. Um, and one of these odd ducks who isn't a full-time pastor, he's a businessman, as he explains in our conversation, but he does ministry on the side. He's an incredibly caring, giving, grace-filled guy. And then, you know, our friendship has really blossomed. Uh, He came on a trip with me into the Boundary Waters and canoed, which was super fun. Uh, He has become, in the last decade or so, a hardcore hiker. He has completed the, uh, what's it called, the Colorado Trail, or I can't remember exactly what it's called, but he's done that. Um, And now... This year, Chris is the Chapalachian. He's the chaplain to the Appalachian Trail and all the hikers thereupon. He is uh, commissioned into that ministry by the United Methodist Church uh, and by a particular conference of the Methodist Church that's in Tennessee, I think. So they have licensed him to basically go hike the trail and minister to people along the way. He has been sober and in recovery for many, many years, and that's a big part of his ministry, both back in San Antonio and while he's and on the trail, uh, which you know you'll hear him talk about. But what an incredible! I mean, who would have thought there's a there's a chaplain wandering the Appalachian Trail and ministering to people along the way. If you're going to be in any sort of ministry job, he's pretty much got the best one there is. I, I couldn't imagine having a better ministry job than what he's got. No, it's very true. You're right. It, it, that's, a, that's a good point. That's a pretty sweet deal. I wish there were a chaplain to the Boundary Waters because I would apply for it. I mean, people create jobs all the time. It's true. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I should, I should look into that. Who's listening out there? Who's listening? Save the Boundary Waters, Friends of the Boundary Waters, Sportsmen. Tony uh, would look, make the perfect uh, champlain up there. We don't have... Yeah, come on, you guys. Ra- raise some money and pay me to canoe. I <laughs> think that's how it... That's, that's, that's what should fair. happen. Well, Chris is a great guy. We have such a great conversation. And I know you're going to love it. And we're going to have Chris back on... Boy, it's probably sometime in maybe November when he is done hiking the Appalachian Trail and listen to him... Um, talk about the people he met, the things he learned. In the show notes, you'll see a link to his YouTube channel. He's posting videos, many multiple videos per week. They really, you get to see him, you get to, you know, see the people he's meeting. So check that link out as well. Uh, There are ways for you can, you know, just Google Appalachian Trail Chaplaincy if you want to contribute to his ministry. Uh, that would be much appreciated as well. And of course, Brandon and I would love it if you rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it. So here is my conversation with the Chapalachian, Chris Estes. Hey, Chris, welcome to the Reverend Hunter podcast, man. I'm so glad to have you on. We've talked about you coming on for a while now, and here you are from Pine Grove, Pennsylvania, the beautiful <laughs> metropolis of Pine Grove, Pennsylvania, right off Interstate 81 in the Comfort Inn. 
And use, this is you've been off trail for a day. And what have you done with your off trail day? Well, this is what we call a zero because I'm not doing anything. And today I've relaxed okay. and I've sat around and uh, just obsessed about things like I normally do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're not a guy who turns his brain off very easily. I know this from our longstanding friendship. Um, really, you just, are you achy? Are you feeling some old guy aches and pains or what? Well, remarkably, I'm feeling pretty good. I, I have a, a pretty good sized blister on my left heel that's actually healing today. So um, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm doing more miles than I thought I was going to do. And. Um, I feel pretty good. So, uh, how does a guy become, first of all, who even knew there was a chaplain on the Appalachian trail? Does every trail have a, have a, have a chaplain out there? Not that I'm aware. Yeah. It's a pretty special thing. Like where, where did this chaplaincy originate and how did you become the chaplain this year? Well, as far as where the chaplaincy originated, um, there's a man, Pastor, Reverend Alan Ashworth, he's from Southern Virginia, and uh, he's a United Methodist pastor, and I think he's got a two-point charge, as they say in the vernacular, um, if I'm not mistaken. And years ago, um, one of the churches is right by the trail, and years ago, his parishioners started offering what's known as trail magic to the people hmm. watching the trail, now okay. walking the trail. Now, what that means is that uh, strangers, out of the kindness of their heart, set up usually at road crossings but other places on the trail and offer water and snacks and rides and what have you and uh, eventually that morphed into um, serving dinner and what have you and then eventually that morphed into this idea of putting a chaplain out on the trail and i believe i'm the ninth one and uh there there was a chaplain in 2020 but she didn't go um because of the uh, because of COVID, and so I'm the ninth. Wow! And so how I became aware of it is uh, t completely by accident. In last year, I finished the Colorado Trail, which goes from Denver to Durango. How long and, is uh, that? Four hundred eighty-five miles. Okay. And at 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 the end of it, I wasn't certain uh, what I was going to do for a next through hike, and uh, you know I was waiting. I was waiting for clear direction. Well, as you know, I'm a longtime member of an anonymous 12-step fellowship. Mm -hmm. And uh, in those anonymous 12-step fellowships, we have sponsors who are kind of like spiritual guides. They help take you through the steps and whatnot and tell you what to do sometimes. Speak for God. <laughs> and uh, one day, a couple months after I finished the Colorado Trail, he calls me out of the blue and says, you know, Chris, you need to hike the Appalachian Trail. Actually, he said the Appalachian Trail. You need to hike the Appalachian Trail <laughs> mm -hmm. and uh, share the good news with those people on the East Coast. They really need it. And I said, yeah, right. I'll get, I'll get right on that. Okay. <laughs> well, about a month later, I'm just minding my own business. Uh, first thing in the morning, waking up, looking at Facebook, like we do when we're still. As one does, yes. Just waking up, yeah. And, uh, and I follow the Appalachian Trail Facebook page. And... Uh, there, you know, live and in living color, it says Appalachian Trail Chaplaincy accepting applications for 2021 chaplain. 
you know, apply here. So I, I will fill out a bid first and said, oh, my God, I can't believe this exists. <laughs> and then I went to uh, my computer and I looked at the application. Now, I've had a recovery ministry named Pioneer Group for 20 years now. Mm-hmm. The first requirement for the 2021 Appalachian Trail chaplain is familiarity with recovery ministry. Then I fell out of my chair. No kidding. Then, then, then I went and told my wife, well, I, I guess I'm on a mission from God. <laughs> I have to apply for this. And so I did. And, uh, and they picked me. Uh, yeah. Now, that, Chris, no one's more surprised, trust me. Yeah, why? Why that? That's a surprising requirement. Is that a requirement every year for the the chaplain on the trail to be familiar with recovery ministry? Or was that just a, like a special emphasis this year? No, that's something that's developed over the years, and they've noticed that there's a lot of people out here in need of or in recovery in one way or another. Uh, be it their own substance abuse disorder or, as is usual in life, the substance abuse disorder of a family member or friend. I mean, there's tons of people like that out here. Well, there's it'd be hard to find a person in America who doesn't have a close relationship with somebody who's in recovery or should be in recovery. Absolutely. And so, yeah. you know, the chaplaincy recognized that need out here and just somebody to speak their language and uh and i do yeah 22 years sober i um i speak that language it's come in handy you you know you're you're a man with a lot of interests and a lot of talents you live in san antonio um you've been a businessman for many years you are also um a, a singer songwriter worship leader Contemporary Christian praise and worship recording artist. That's the way we say that officially. <laughs> I've got your CD, actually. <laughs> did, did I don't have a CD. Chris, I don't have a CD player to listen. What's uh, funny which, is my, my, C, my CD came out the day that everybody threw away their CD players <laughs> and stopped using them. So, yeah. Timing is everything, brother. Timing no. is everything. Tell me about it. <laughs> uh and you you do these you know it's not just the pioneer group but you also um have worked in a methodist church right yes. um yes i'm the director of uh, recovery ministries at alamo heights united methodist church in san antonio you're a busy guy so i mean you just got a lot of you know you got a lot of cooking at all times yes. um and and Jeez. every you know I've been down there to visit you in San Antonio and I've, I've seen you at conferences and you and I stay in pretty close touch throughout the year. Um, how, uh, how do you just, you know, unplug from all that stuff for however many months and we'll get into, you know, how, how long this, this journey is going to take you, but how, how difficult was it for you to extricate yourself? Cause I think a lot of people think, Oh, I'd love to through hike the AT or the Pacific coast trail or, or the superior trail up here, you know, but, Oh my gosh, I can't, I can't, you know, I can't be gone from home that long. I, I can't go walk the Camino in France for a month. Cause I can't be gone that long. Like how, how do you go about that process? It was difficult. And it's something over the last couple of years I've struggled with. And, uh, cause in my business, um, 
I'm pretty much a lone ranger and I've been doing my business for 38 years. And uh, what, what I do, I'm in the outdoor advertising industry and uh, I own some billboards and now mostly what I do is I have clients that I put together their programs for them. And uh, my problem in life has been I've always been tied to that one way or another. Well, of course, through the miracle of the internet and what have you, uh, you know, I've been able to take what I do with me mm -hmm. uh, for the most part, but not for weeks at a time. And uh, so that was always a barrier to entry for me to do a real long trail. The story I told you before about how I got called to do this, it was clear to me that this is a call and uh, I had to do it. So yeah. I had to find a way to make this work. So very, very difficult. I'm not great at delegating. I'm, I'm, I'm a big doer mm -hmm. and uh, it's, it's very difficult. But, you know, through the years, I've had a, a friend of mine, James Law, who uh, chairs the Pioneer Group and leads that when I'm not there. And uh, he's doing a fabulous job with that. I actually hired somebody who had a lot of experience in my business to take over uh, doing my business. And my wife is assisting as well. Uh, with that. And uh, the church was supportive, uh, obviously. Um, and so my duties there have been delegated elsewhere. And uh, yeah, it was a tough, tough, tough thing. Believe me, lots of obsessing going on there. Yeah. So unfortunately, I'm in a position where I'm financially in a place where I can do it. I mean, that's a barrier of entry for entry for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought about it if my business just totally went away. What would I do? I, well, I'd be okay, you know. Um, but that's not what's going to happen. I mean, everything's going just fine. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, there's a lot to this. So the fact that it was a call and it's clear to me that, you know, this comes from God and it's an invitation to me uh, to surrender in lots of ways, um, not just creature comforts at home. Um, I mean, things as simple as, Man, I don't know where I'm going to sleep tonight. Yeah, right? yeah. Or, oh, geez, I'm in the middle of a driving rainstorm and trees are crackling down around me. What do I do now? <laughs> you know, that sort of <laughs> right. thing, which has right. happened already. Is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, man, you and I uh, spent a week in the Boundary Waters together. Yes. And we had some rough weather. Yes, we did. I'll never forget our last day. You know, the funny thing is that the route we took, which is the exact same route that I am going to take when I go into the Boundary Waters um, in, a, in a week, actually, this, this podcast episode is going to air the day that I'm driving up the North Shore, and then um, I'll go into the Boundary Waters and do the same thing. But the, the, the thing is, on the last day when you're... Uh, paddling out through this huge lake called Seagull, you know, you're traveling west to east. So conventional wisdom is that the wind would be at your back on your last day. But uh, as I'm sure you recall very vividly, the wind was the opposite. It was straight in our as, faces. As and were you the were, white, as were yeah, the you were in caps. the bow of my canoe. Yes, as were the white caps. Yes. It was a bit hairy. Yes. Well, what? Tell the other part of the story. Which part is that? When we were going lake to lake and we said, oh, we, let's not portage. Let's go through the rapids. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And, and we, we dumped the thing. And uh, so I'm floating down this river uh, with my rain jacket full of water. Yes. I think water. 
Yes. And, uh, and I had my green sit pad, which I've had for 30 years. And I'm yelling, grab my sit pad, grab my sit pad. <laughs> well, so I just, going, all I remember is, yeah, Brad Shannon, my dear friend, who was kind of guiding that trip for us. Um, down, he had, he had successfully navigated those rapids in his canoe. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can do it. Chris, let's shoot the rapids. Yeah. And then... <laughs> We yes. flipped our canoe, and all I remember is Brad at the bottom of the rapids just, like, doubled over in laughter as our backpacks and paddles and canoe all came floating down to him. And me. <laughs> yes. And you and me, both yes. of us. Yeah, both and I, of I'm, us. I'm not exactly a voyageur, so that would give you, uh, you know, some, some grace there. Well, um, that, was a fun, that was a fun adventure. Um, so I know you to be an outdoors guy and you know you've you have hiked the Colorado Trail but tell us get, for for those of us unfamiliar here here's my familiarity with the AT and that is uh two two points one is uh I have read Bill Bryson's hilarious book about the Appalachian Trail and walking it mm -hmm. um and I spent 4 years in college in Hanover, New Hampshire, and the AT goes right through campus. So you would just occasionally see some kind of vagabond looking person, you know, with a backpack and a walking stick go walking right through the middle of campus. And when you show up as a freshman, you don't really know what in the world are these people? Why, why are there people walking through our campus like this? But then, of course, somebody tells you, oh, it's the Appalachian Trail goes through here um yeah because they they were on your campus the year before and they were doing their instead of doing a semester abroad um the the ivy league people of privilege like you <laughs> were, were out hiking the trail <laughs> and we the just landed were, at dartmouth yeah so i don't know a ton about the at i mean right. tell us where it goes how long it is etc it's a uh, continuous footpath from Springer Mountain, Georgia, which is north of Atlanta, to Katahdin, Maine, which is a, a mountain in Baxter State Park in Maine, north central Maine. It's 2,193.1 miles, and it goes through either 13 or 14 states. I can't remember, but uh, wow. yeah. And so um, it's been around for many years. I don't have the exact history of it, but uh, um only about 20,000 people have successfully through-hiked it. And apparently uh, each year, only a quarter or less than a quarter success that try to, to through-hike it actually do so successfully. Now, most people do it no-bo. What that means is northbound. They start uh -huh. at Springer like in February or March, okay. and they go north to Katahdin, and that way they can get there before the snow flies. Some people are Sobo and they go southbound. They start at Katahdin. Can't really start there till like July 1st. Really? And, uh, um, because of the snow, for one, the weather, weather. And then you get the joy of the black flies and all that as well. Yeah. And they go south and they finish four, five, six months later. What I'm doing is called a flip-flop. And that's where you start in the middle and you go north to Katahdin. Then you come back to the middle, which is Harper's Ferry, West Virginia, which is just, it's not the real middle, but it's just about, mm -hmm. and then go south from there. That's, that's what I'm doing. 
And uh, but but I'm, mine is a flip flop and fly. <laughs> what that means is, I, I came out in late March and uh, did just Maryland, so Harpers Ferry, uh, West Virginia to um, Penmar Park, just at the Pennsylvania Maryland line. Then I flew home. And then I came back and I did the state of New Jersey from Delaware Water Gap to Greenwood Lake, New York. Then I flew home, and uh, then I flew back up here and started at uh, Penmar Park in Pennsylvania, you know, the Pennsylvania, Maryland border and started northbound on May the 22nd. And um, so I've done 250 miles of the AT so far. Um, it was 120 of those in those first two hikes and 130 of Pennsylvania so far. So, so you're about 10% through. Did you say it's how, how many yeah. miles did you say it is? 2,193.1. Okay, so you're you're <laughs> so you're you're just over ten percent. How about that? How's it been? I mean, and we're gonna. I'll just you know just to uh, clue in the listeners, we're gonna have you back on when you're all done with it, assuming you survive. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is an open question. And uh, how's it been? It, it's yeah. Been, Oh, it's, I mean, it's been terrific. It's a blast, in fact. This is a very social trail, and it has and it's lived up to that so far. Now, the, with, there's a caveat. The first two little shakedown hikes that, that I did that I described before, it was too early, and there wasn't anybody out here yet. So I kind of – it was a solitary, solitary uh, walk, pretty much. Mm. I mean, I ran into people, and, and – uh, and stayed in towns and stayed in hostels and saw some people. Uh, but this 130 miles of Pennsylvania has been a blast. I've slept in a tent once. Um, I slept in a shelter once. You know, the other 10, 11 days, whatever I've been up here, I've stayed in a hostel or a hotel because the, tr the trail goes through towns. You know, you'll, you'll start in a town yeah. and you'll cl climb up a gap over and then down this ridge of rocks and all this stuff. And then come back south and there might be another town. And uh, and there's hostels and it's very well developed. And uh, then you develop little trail families. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's just a blast socially. You eat in restaurants. Now, you also stay out on the trail and you stay in tents and you stay in shelters, uh, which is another great place of connection. Um, but I'm a connection junkie. Yeah. I think I, I find God in you. That's where I find God in you as much as I do in anything else. And so to be able to connect is just a wonderful thing. So for instance, the other day, and I've connected with a lot of people, the other day I did what was called, what's called a slack pack. You can do this sometimes. Instead of carrying your full pack with everything, you have a, a shuttle driver take you like, in my case, north, north, 18 miles. They took me north to a trailhead. And then I walked back south on the trail and uh, with the hopes of seeing people from my trail group that I've been hanging out with with the last week in and out, uh, seeing them come northbound. And sure hmm. enough, I, and I counted, this was on Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. I counted 20 people that I knew by name and, uh, and had slept with in a shelter or a hostel at some point over the past week. Which is really remarkable if you think about it. Now, a lot of these people are are northbound uh, through hikers. They started in Georgia, so they're going really fast. Um, their pace now they're they're up into the twenty twenty five mile a day uh, uh, routine. Uh, 
And uh, so it was, you know, so I hang out with them a little bit and they blast on by. So it was cool for me to go north and then come south and see all them again. And, uh, and so, so I hope and to so do your that. bag, you're, you're leaving your bag in a hotel room or in, in a yeah, locker or most, something. Yeah, at the hostel, leaving like my sleeping bag, stuff I don't need for a day hike. Right. And then coming back to uh, the hotel or hostel and spending the night and then leaving the next day from, you know, the northern point and carrying my stuff again and, and continuing my journey northbound. That's, so that's fascinating. Yeah, that's a it's a that's a fun thing you can do on the AT. You can't do on the other trails. You know, they're they're you can't really do it on the Pacific Crest Trail, or the Continental Divide Trail, even the Colorado Trail, because they're too remote. But uh, the Appalachian 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 Trail uh, goes through all these towns, and there's a well developed system of uh, shuttle drivers, trail angels hostels, hotels that uh, cater to AT travelers, um, as well as the shelter system. There's 20-something Appalachian Appalachian (laughs) trail clubs up and down the East Coast that maintain these shelters, uh, which are spread out eh, 15 miles or so. depends on the state, I think. And uh, at the shelters, um, they're like lean-tos, but nicer. you can sleep inside them. There's tent pads, there's fire pits, there's privies, and a water source usually. So it's a great place uh, to shoot for every day. And volunteers uh, maintain these things. Um, so it's, re- it's really a terrific, terrific setup and a terrific system. So Yeah, you know, I, it's been interesting seeing some of those. And, and I'll put the link to your YouTube channel in the show notes. And I really hope people go and check out some of your videos because you can see in your videos some of these shelters and stuff like that. But also, this is this is what's amazing for me too. And I wonder if we can't just reflect on this for a minute. But this social, this connection aspect, Chris, for the AT, you know, it's just not why most people go do stuff outdoors. You right. know, I go do stuff outdoors in a lot of re- ways to get away from people. And I even feel like, you know, s- the first half of my adult professional life was as somebody in ministry, um, both in a church and also then in that, you know, where you and I first met through these emerging church movement thing where I was constantly around people. I was always networking with people, 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 people all the time. And now in this, you know, second half of my adult life, I, I more find myself outside in the garden or going to hunt somewhere that's relatively remote, either alone or with a very small number of people. What a different thing to go on a hike as a, more of a social engagement, more of a connection thing. So I wonder, has that surprised you at how many people you're getting to meet? Or did you go in knowing that's exactly what you would be doing? No, this has surprised me. And, I, you know, I had heard this before that it, it's more social than the other trails. Now, I, I don't want to give you the impression that it's a constant party 24-7 and you're always around people. I mean, you're hiking 10, 11 hours a day most of the time by yourself and uh, everybody's spread out and then you might come together and congregate and the congregating part, you know, takes place for a short period of time. And then it's hiker midnight, which is 8 PM and everybody's asleep. (laughs) And so 
It's yeah. it's not like it's a, a wild party going on. Now, that's my experience so far. What is now approaching where I am now is what's called the bubble, which means a whole lot of people that started at the same time down in Springer, and they're kind of traveling in mass. Now, I'll be curious to see if the social dynamic of the bubble as it reaches where I am is different than the social dynamic of um, the people that I'm with now. Um, that, that'll be interesting. The people that I'm with now are not the big party crowd. They're, they're more of this, more of a hiking, more of a solitude, but still social and connectional group. Um, what I've heard is the, the bubble uh, is more of a party crowd, but we'll, we'll, we'll soon see. We'll soon see there. I think they're a couple weeks behind me. So. Okay. Now is this, does this same wave happen every summer so that, you know, or every time of year, what I'm saying is like, are there, is there a crew of younger athletic, hard partying people who are doing 25 miles a day and every year they are at this certain point at this certain time of this certain month or actually, is this yeah. the, just the randomness of every year is different and you just happen to be on the trail with a certain posse i well the certain posse i'm with now are uh not really the party guys but right. there, there's a there's a heat map you, you can go online and uh <laughs> it's kind of based on historical data okay it shows where the bubble is historically and apparently that that holds that holds true, you know where the hikers are spread out along the thing uh, historically. Now, how they figure all that out is like beyond me. I have no earthly idea. Um, yeah, but there's a big so, AT. There, you know, there, there's a lot of people who YouTube and uh, yeah, and Instagram, of course. You get all kinds of information that way. And uh, yes, I, I am. Thank you for mentioning it as well. And uh, be sure to like and subscribe. I am now a YouTube content creator, which surprises me uh, just as much as the fact that I'm the chaplain on the Appalachian Trail. That that's Those are both surprising things, yes. Now, I was, when, I was going to film raw, raw video, and I actually had hired a guy to ship it to because I had no clue how to do this. Right. And uh, I was going to send it to and have him make the videos. But then so a friend of mine, uh, friend of mine convinced me to give it a shot myself on iMovie and uh, much to my surprise, uh, I enjoyed it. And more to my surprise was that I was capable of actually making these videos. And you're just making them on your phone every night? Every, I'm making them on my phone. Yeah. And, uh, and upload them when I get to a, to a hostel and, and you know, I mean, it's a learning curve for sure. And, uh, and well, in fact, you were very helpful with me one particular aspect of uh, my nonsense <laughs> that I was putting in every aspect of my life and every video. You said, Chris, you might tone that down a little bit, <laughs> which I did. And, uh, but yeah, it's a learning curve. I'm trying to keep them less than 10 minutes and, uh, yeah. Um, but it, I'm having fun. The other thing too, you know, most, most videos when these guys are doing them, they're just, they're showing the trail, you know, and here's the shelter and here's the water source and, Here's the pretty tree and all that, which is all great. But, you know, I'm trying to interject a little faith lesson in there now and then. Right. Uh, a little little recovery shtick and, uh, you know, and some of my nonsense too. So, um, yeah, so I'm having a lot of, you know, if 
I'm having fun with it. That's, you know. And as our friend Rob Bell says, that uh, you do the work for the love of the work. Yeah. Not whether or not anybody's going to watch it or read it or listen to it. Chris, what's in your backpack? I have a, um, I'm ultra, I'm not quite ultralight. I'm, uh, I'm not quite, I'm, I'm lightweight. And um, I have ultralight items though. I have, I have a Z-Pack duplex tent, which is made out of Dyneema Cuban fiber, 21 ounces for a two-man tent. Dang. And uh, uses trekking poles, which is just uh, fantastic. And uh, I use a quilt. I have a down quilt by uh, Enlightened Equipment. Um, I have a Gossamer Gear Mariposa pack, which the pack weighs 29 ounces. Hmm. Um, my my heavy item is I've got a, a Thermarest ProLite uh, sleeping pad. That weighs about 30 ounces, kind of expensive. Or kind of not expensive, kind of heavy. Um but so worth a, it. But so worth it. Oh yeah, and, and I, you know I've tried to sleep on the on the ultralight ones, and I'm not a small guy, so uh, it's kind of like sleeping on a balloon, and that, yeah. that just doesn't work. Um, I also I I uh, for food, um, you know you you mostly eat. I mean during the day it's uh, you know bars and I, I eat figs. And pro bars and this thing called Green Belly, which an AT hiker developed, which is another kind of bar. Uh, drawers, which is a South African uh, meat stick that I discovered when I was in South Africa, which I just like a lot. Um, <clears throat> and then uh, dehydrated uh, meals for dinner. I have a my stove is actually a water boiler. It's an MSR wind boiler, uh-huh. and um, it can it boils water fast. And so you just rehydrate the food. And I use uh, mostly uh, next mile meals and uh, packet gourmet. Um, they're both healthy, just full of protein and and good stuff, you know. And then I also have the incidentals and and uh, being an older guy, uh, you know, I've, I've got a pretty big medicine kit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> bigger than the, you know. And I, I and I bring too many clothes. I've already um, I've already put stuff in a box. And uh, and sent it away, yeah. Uh, because weight is such a big deal. You know, you want to keep you want to keep weight. So my my base weight, which is the the weight before consumables, okay. is about twenty pounds, twenty one pounds. And then with consumables, you know, you'll start four day, three night thing. You know, with six pounds of food, and then water, of course, weighs two point two pounds per liter. And the good thing about the AT, there's a lot of water, so I never. I have was to just going to ask that. Yeah. yeah uh, never, Never have to about carry, that. Yeah, never have to carry more than two liters. Although the section of Pennsylvania I'm about to do uh, is a little hairy because there's like super fun sites. And so you don't want to be drinking the water coming out of those springs. Okay, uh, so you're taking spring-fed water and are you running it through a filter? Yes, yes. So yes. that's something, one of the things you carry is a filter. Catadine be free, yeah. Carry a filter. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, through these Superfund areas and zinc mine yeah. areas, uh, it's tough with the water. But then again, the trail angels come through. There are two trail angels. One in particular has been doing it for like, I heard yesterday, like 30 years or more. He puts water, like big jugs of water on the trail, on that, on this one particular 16-mile section of trail that doesn't have any water. He, uh-huh. he takes 
water out there and puts it out there. Wow. Yeah. Every day. Volu volunteer. Yeah. Or they do it a couple, you know, they monitor how much there's left and yeah, or every couple days. And I think he has some people that help him. His name's Mun, M-U-N. That's the other thing about the uh, trail is the trail names. You know, you get it. Somebody gives you a trail name. Yeah. And, uh, of course, mine's Bone Spur. Uh, I got that on the Colorado Trail because I have a bone spur on my big toe on my right foot. And uh, <clears throat> my friend Burrow, who goes up hill like a burrow, uh, he, he gave me that name. Okay. Um, but then I added the Chapalachian this year because I'm the chaplain of the Appalachian <laughs> Trail. So okay, you're the ninth uh, AT chaplain, and you're the first one to come up with that moniker? Yes, yes. There was a chappy jack. There was a chappy jack before me. Chappy. Oh, jack. that's pretty good. Chappy jack. That was pretty good. But the uh, chapalachian, yeah, the chapalachian. The chapalachian. Now, why is it not the chapalachian? Nah, that's a very good question. That's something that we're just trying to get to the bottom of, you know. <laughs> and uh, I have a video uh, where I where I start that inquiry. Actually, there's a video when I, I crossed the Mason Dixon line, and um, I, I did it myself. When I stood on the south side of the Mason-Dixon line, it was Appalachian. And then when I moved over to the north side of the Mason-Dixon line, it was Appalachian. Hmm. Um, so that confuses me. And so I, I've, I've interviewed a number of people, and uh, it's probably 95% Appalachian. Yeah. Now, that, that's, you know, I, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm a little concerned because my sponsors here, the Holston Conference of the United Methodist Church, is from Eastern Tennessee and Western North Carolina and North Georgia. They don't say Appalachian. <laughs> they, they, they don't say that. And they're the ones who are signing your paychecks. Well, they're not really signing the paycheck. They, <laughs> they are supporting me, though. They pay for my food uh -huh. uh, on the trail and uh, also a trail allowance, a town allowance, they call it, of um, I get $1.50 per mile. <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. which is nice you know and so you come to town and then i buy dinner for people and yeah. uh you know i stay in the hostels and the and for the the shuttle drivers and what have you so i mean it's a blessing no question and uh yes and i'm i'm, I'm very pleased and then and they would buy any equipment i need uh as well fortunately i had most of what i needed actually they did buy the uh the new sleeping pad nice. so so people can uh people can contribute go to appalachian trail chaplain uh, it's online. Just uh, Google it. Um, yeah. Appalachian Trail Chaplain, Appalachian Trail Chaplaincy, and uh, write big checks and, you know, put my name in the memo. Um, okay, let's talk about the chaplaincy aspect because we've talked a lot about the hiking part. Yeah. Um, but what's the chaplaincy aspect? You know, I, I was a police chaplain for 10 years, and mm -hmm. that meant – being kind of non-sectarian, which is fa a fancy lingo for like not one particular denomination or really not even in the, in the public realm of being a police chaplain, not even necessarily being a Christian chaplain, more being right. available to people no matter their religious background or belief to help them through difficult times and same with the cops to help the cops through difficult times people right. maybe think of a hospital chaplain right. who has that same kind of non-sectarian uh 
posture toward the people they're helping or a a chaplain in a hospice helping people die or a chaplain Mm -hmm. in a nursing home. So how does that word inform what you're doing and tell us some, you know, some of the experiences you've had with people on, on the trail so far? Sure. Well, what I hope, what I hoped for was that I'd be walking down the trail, handing out tracks and uh, (laughs) telling people to turn or burn, but that that's not what it is. Okay, good, good. No, 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 no. No, I'm I'm to be, and I have been, a loving, listening, non-reactive presence on the trail, and uh, where I am just a resource. If people need help in any way, shape, or form, they want to talk about spiritual stuff. That's fine. You know, I'm not pushing any particular denomination, faith group you know, faith tradition, anything like that. Uh, I'm just available for questions people have, conversations about anything. Uh, and that's it. I'm just- So, so you must honestly. identify yourself as a chaplain. Well, you know, I mean, I kind of, you know, I sort of lead with my mouth. All right. Yeah, you're not super subtle, probably. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Hi, what's your name? Oh, hi, Trigger. I'm Bonespur, the Chapalachian. And it's, <laughs> what? <laughs> so sometimes they look at me and discuss, what? Yeah, the Chapalachian, I'm the, I mean, I'll do it that way sometimes, but not always. Chris, I don't know if you, I don't know if you ever heard Tony Campolo do this funny bit, but he'd say, he'd get on an airplane, you know, Tony Campolo um, was a very famous speaker, Christian speaker. Yes. Yes. And, um, he must be in his 90s now, but he would get on an airplane and if somebody's, uh, you know, the, the person next to him was real chatty in the seat next to him, if he and the person would inevitably say, well, what do you do? And if if Campolo wanted to, like, was in the mood to talk, he would say, I'm a sociologist at Eastern University. Mm-hmm. And if he didn't want to talk, he'd say, I'm a Christian evangelist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm wearing a patch on my uh, pack that says uh, AT Chaplaincy, and I have another one that says, I'm a friend of Bill W. Ah. All right now, Bill, Bill Wilson, Bill W., was the founder of uh, a certain anonymous 12-step fellowship that uh, I have been a member of since July 24th, 1999. And uh, that's code for people that are in recovery that, oh, I'm a guy you can talk to about right. recovery. And... Uh, and that's good because people are out here. It's hard to go to a meeting when you're out on the Appalachian Trail. You know, there's not yes. a lot of meetings around, even in these little towns, and particularly up north here, where you know, you know, I mean, for the mess of the, la- the last year and a half has been, you know, a lot of these groups have closed, and uh, you know, and everybody's still afraid of their own shadow. Um, I mean, it's not like that in the South, or it's not like that where I live in Texas. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but up here it still is. But anyway, it's hard for them to find a meeting, but here I'm a guy they can talk to. And I've had several, you know, people in recovery. Huh. One guy the other day, this is funny. Uh, <laughs> these two guys come up on him, on us. One guy's name's Bender, who I had met before, and he's a young guy, and he's still, you know, doing young guy things. And he's with Detox. <laughs> so, oh, it's, wow. so it's Bender and Detox show up. And, uh, and in fact, they stayed in the hostel with us. Uh, one night and, uh, and detox got 38 years sober. So, wow. yeah, so we got the chat. So, which is nice. And then, uh, yeah, 
So, I mean, so there's people like that. And then with the chaplain thing, uh, oh, man, I've had people, you know, come up and ask me specific questions. Uh, What's the difference between a Presbyterian and a Methodist? You know, because they really are interested to know, you know. Right. Um, I've had a guy that I hiked with one day who's – his brother, he was, his brother had died the previous Saturday and he was grieving and, and, uh, he hadn't really started grieving. And, uh, I was kind of helping him try to go through that process a little bit before he got off trail and, and went to the service and what have you. Um, I've had, uh, people who are in currently in relapse, uh, talk to me about how cool they think it is that I'm out here doing this and they're going to get back to recovery. They know they have to. Um, I've had, this is always my favorite question. Okay. Well, first it started with who's Bill W. Oh, well, he's the founder of, of AA. Oh, I've got a friend. Oh, she needs it so bad. What can I do to get my friend to quit drinking? That's always my favorite question, (laughs) right? Because, because my answer is, um, nothing, Yeah. (laughs) but you can, though. you can, you can pray, Hmm. but what do you, what do I pray? That he quit drinking? No. Pray that he come to the end of himself so that he'll reach out for help. And then pray that God will put somebody in his path that can help him. And then take care of yourself. So, I mean, you know, conversations like that. Man, that's, that's, now are you having these conversations while you're, while While you're hiking? hiking? While hiking, while at the restaurant, while in the hostel, while in town while at the water source while in the shelter while at the tent site yeah all those places yeah Mm. Yeah. and uh, i was yeah you know a surprising thing was um for me in particular was uh you know coming here to the heathen east coast right you know where am i going to run into any christians out here right i mean there's (laughs) there's no way and so um you know, I'm in a United Methodist now, but I, you know, I come from a, you know, a non-denominational megachurch background and, you know, they're still kind of my people, you know, in a way, yeah. you know, and, uh, anyhow, so it was my very second day in, uh, Maryland and I, I show up at this little campground and I set up and there's five guys there and they're all business guys between, you know, like the age of 45 and 65 who are members of a non-denominational megachurch in, in Southern Maryland. I mean, I, I, my God, my second day here, I'm with my people. And, uh, <laughs> and that was great. And uh, we, we all went out to dinner. It was at a great restaurant up the street. Oh, yeah, and one of the guys had nine years sober in the anonymous 12-step fellowship I'm a member of. Wow. So, uh, yeah, so, it's, you know, that's what happens out here. It's just great. Yeah, and a lot of other people have talked to me about things that, you know, I just don't want to betray confidences here yeah of course in, of course in, in, in any, anyway tell me this you, you use this phrase again you want to be what what kind of a presence do you want to be and then kind of break that down for me a loving listening non-reactive presence and so i want to lead first with love where i am interested in being doing what i can for you you know i'd rather give it away i'm not looking to see what i can get from you or anything i'm 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 looking to be an agent of love here uh whether it's and then you know as part of way of doing that is by listening not lecturing you know right not uh proselytizing uh no listening 
see what it is that the people want to talk about. Because, you know, they're out here for a reason. You know, I mean, it's not just to, you know, they, they, they set their life aside. You go yeah. spend six months out in the woods, you know, for one reason or another. And uh, um, it's neat to hear about that. And so, and then non-reactive is, you know, stuff happens and people can get panicky when it's really bad weather or the shuttle doesn't show up or the water source is dry. Uh, hmm. And so to just be a non-reactive presence and re be reassuring that, you know, everything's going to be a-okay. So that's, that's how I'll break that down. That's very cool. Yeah. Well, so it's a it's a gift, it's a blessing. Um, yeah, I'm so honored to do this. It's uh, unbelievable to me that I actually am. You know, I'm a 60 year old guy who's probably, you know, 30 pounds overweight, and uh, you know, I'm I'm the Nick Nolte character in uh, you know <laughs> the Bryson book movie, you know, for sure. <clears throat> you know, I'm not drinking anymore and I don't smoke, but uh, <clears throat> the fact that I'm doing this is is blowing my mind. And uh, uh, you know, and I'm just, you know I'm, I'm great. Ten years ago. Uh, there's no way you could have convinced me that I would be doing this. And, really? Uh, oh God, no! I didn't hike. I didn't do anything. Are you kidding me? I ate pizza and played my guitar. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. And um, you know, went went to twelve step meetings. And uh, <clears throat> but what happened is uh, I ended up going on a study tour of Israel, where you know one of those uh, <clears throat> Ray Vanderland deals. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, where we hike all over Israel for two weeks. And I said. Like, I hate the gym. I can't go to the gym. Are you kidding? I hate that. But hiking, and I ski. I'm a skier. Yeah. But you can't ski in San Antonio. I mean, it's kind of hard. You know, you got to get an airplane and fly places and spend <laughs> right. a zillion dollars. Right. <clears throat> but uh, hiking, man. So I did it. I was climbing Qumran, where the place where they found the Dead yeah. Sea Scrolls. Yeah, for sure. You, you'll remember that. They taught you that in seminary, right? Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And, uh, and it's a, it's you start at the Dead Sea and you go up this mountain. I'm climbing up there, and we stop to you know we're, we're all wearing our hiking hats with our camelbacks on and sit around. And Pastor Scott is doing a faith lesson uh, overlooking the Dead Sea, and I just lost it right there. Huh. I said I am designed. I am meant for this. I love this. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I just want more of this. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so that's where my that's where my hiking career started. And uh, here we are in Pine Grove, Pennsylvania, in a comfort inn, talking to my friend Tony from the internet. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well I, I want to, you know, like I said, I definitely want to have you back on after you're done. What's it look like between now and then? Like, just before we go, give us a uh, you know, how many miles a day are you doing? When are you going to reach the north end and circle back to the middle? When do you think you'll finish? Like, what what's the what what are the next weeks and months look like for you? Yeah, I'm really surprised. I'm going quite quite a bit faster than I thought I was going to. My plan was to start at 10 miles a a day throughout Pennsylvania, but I'm doing 15 plus. Uh, um, done as uh, yeah, so I'm averaging 15 actually. So. I, I should be, I have a hundred miles more of Pennsylvania. So that should be done in seven or eight days. Um, then I flip up because I already did New Jersey. I'll flip up to uh, Greenwood Lake, New York, do the little part of New York, then Connecticut, Massachusetts, uh, Vermont, New Hampshire, 
and I'll tell them hello and hand over for you. Thank you. Uh, um, <clears throat> I'll, uh, and then Maine. And so yeah. I'm hoping before September 1st to be there. Okay. Um, and at this pace, I think I'm going to. And then I'll flip down to Harper's Ferry again. I may go home for some five days or something first to San Antonio uh -huh. at that point. Flip down to Harper's Ferry and then two and a half months going south to, uh, to Springer. So I ought to be done, I would say, by mid-October, early November. Well, that's – dude, I, I'm just – I'm excited for you. I'm thrilled you're doing it. I can't imagine a better person out there on the trail. And, you know, I've just seen you engage people in recovery, and I've seen you, you know, minister to people. Um, you're, you are a great presence. I, I would add to a loving, listening, non-reactive presence, I would add a joyful presence. I mean, mm. I – you're a funny guy. You're you're you always have a smile and a laugh, and uh, I'm I'm quite sure you're bringing joy to people uh, along the way. So I, yeah, th I'm, thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> I'm just thrilled for you, and and we'll be following your progress, and looking forward to having you back on. You know, at the end of the year, to just hear everything you've learned and some of the stories you've collected—it's—it's it's just a fantastic thing that you're doing. Good, good. Well, thank you. God bless you and your ministry there, Reverend Hunter. Thanks, man. I'm ministering to the meats that I'm cooking and other things. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Appreciate it. All right, brother. You you take care. Be safe out there, and and we'll keep watching your uh, your YouTube's. All right. Like and subscribe. And comments. Uh. <laughs> I love the comments. It keeps me going. <laughs> <laughs>